Wonderful to contemplate. Much harder to practice. Many years ago, I was the senior pastor at Alice Springs Baptist Church. Church was going really well. We'd grown in depth, we'd grown in numbers. Our youth pastor, while being a little quirky, was serving Jesus. And uh, the night service had grown really well. In every external measure, we were a church that was thriving, growing. Internally, spiritually, I was dying. I was tired to the core of my soul. Didn't matter if I had days off. But the burdens of carrying church oversight, people's problems, meeting expectations, of feeling judged, I was leading a successful church, a a church that had me invited to some pastor of churches that are bigger than 500 people club, uh, a church where a denominational leader rang me and said I could move on to any church in the denomination. Sounds wonderful. Rising star. And there I was, and I hadn't opened my Bible in as long as I could remember to read it on my own. I wasn't praying. My family was suffering under my burden of ministry. I was so, so tired. If this is you at all, if you are tired, if you are stressed, if you are struggling with a lack of joy in following Christ, then my hope is that God's Word will instruct you and refresh you this morning and will bring you an ongoing Sabbath rest for your soul. So that's our focus together this morning. So to do that, we're going to open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. So if you have your Bible there, Hebrews chapter 4. And we're just going to read a few verses, uh, verses 8 to 11. So Hebrews 4, 8 to 11. Hebrews 4, 8 to 11. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Amen. If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. Now, Matt, if you were here, when he spoke from Hebrews 3, gave us a lot of context about this. Joshua had led the people of God into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the land of promise and the land of rest. But due to their disobedience, they had spent 40 years, of course, wandering in the wilderness. Eventually, they got to enter the promised land where they had to literally fight, but God was with them. And in trusting God, he assured their victory. And then in the promised land, they would get rain in season. They would get large yields at the harvest. There would be no fighting. There would be no disease. In short, there would be rest. Not a cessation from work. 
Work is good for us. We need to work. We have to work. But there's a difference between work that is joyful and even restful versus work that is toil and painful. I'll give you an example. The work of somebody who loves gardening. You know those weirdos. We've all met them, right? (laughs) Those people who get out in the yard and labour under the sun for hours on end for no apparent reason, but they find it good. They enjoy doing it, right? There is work that is actually good for us. We enjoy it. It's something that we love to do. This was the promised land. If they honoured God, then they had no fear of attack. If they honoured God, then they had no disease. If they honoured God, then they had no locust or plague. If they honoured God, they had the rain in season. If they honoured God, yes, you worked, but it was joyful, satisfying, peaceful work. Right? The rest of a soul is what they were promised in the land. There were brief times. That worked really well. Brief times of rest. Brief times where it went the way it should. But all too often there was chaos, fruitless labor, battles, and weariness. And this is why our passage said, because of that, God spoke of another rest, a greater rest later on. If they had achieved that perfect rest then, we wouldn't have needed it, but God spoke of a greater rest. Right, quick aside. There's a weekly Sabbath, correct, in the Bible? Weekly Sabbath, which originates from God creating in six days and resting on the seventh day, which was Saturday. Jesus then told us that God made Sabbath for man, not for God. God does not get weary. God does not need to rest. He actually instituted the Sabbath for our benefit. We get weary. We need rest. So God uh, ordained a day of rest for us. Paul goes on to say, one day is the same as another. In other words, we don't necessarily have to have a Sabbath rest on the Saturday anymore. The reality is we need a day of rest, but there have always been reasons some people can't have a certain day. Now, Sunday, I think, being a regular day off to society is a great thing. It's great for families, it's good for people, but there's always been doctors, nurses, cabbies, motel receptionists, whoever, who can't actually have that day off. And so, according to the Word of God, as long as we have one day off a week, we need it, and it's wonderful for us. It is a blessing. But there is a bigger picture of the Sabbath concept where it's applied to all of your life, not just one day off. A Sabbath rest for your life as a Christian. The Sabbath rest of people who are honouring God, obeying God, and living in the blessing of this life is a Sabbath rest. That was the rest that was promised to the people entering the promised land. It was a life of Sabbath rest, enjoying the blessings of God. As I said, it was never truly fulfilled under Joshua due to their sinful hearts, their disobedience. If we were to carry the weight of obedience to earn our rest, we would fail. We would work, we would toil, but we would fail and we would not find rest. Now, there it will be 
Just continuing this Sabbath idea, there will be a fully realized Sabbath, won't there? Rest for God's people. When you see Jesus face to face, the old will be gone. He will wipe every tear from your eye. The old order will pass away. There will be no more pain or sorrow, no more thorns, no more droughts, no more floods, no more disease, no more getting old, no disability. It will be a complete and total Sabbath rest when we see Christ face to face. But again, that's not what our passage is referring to either. It's not one day off a week. And it's not that complete rest with Christ. It's the Sabbath rest of our life as a Christian, available to you now, as it was to Joshua and the Israelites, but ours is greater. Why? Because for Joshua and the Israelites, their rest depended on their obedience. Their rest depended on their obedience. Ours does not. That's the critical issue. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from us. See what our passage said? We have already entered the Sabbath rest. Think about that. Already entered already rested from works. What works? From having to earn our rest. From needing to conquer the habit. There are no fights to win to enter the promised land of rest, just repentance and faith, because Jesus has already won every battle and declared it is finished. Right? This is the good news of the gospel. The good news is that Jesus... Fully God, fully man, came to die the penalty of your sin. He went to the cross, although he himself never sinned, to pay the price of your disobedience. On the cross, the full penalty was met as the Father poured his wrath out on the Son. And we know that Jesus paid the penalty. We know he conquered sin and death because he rose on the third day and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Christ now offers to all who repent and believe in him eternal life, freely given by his grace, not earned, not worked for, freely given by his grace, the hope of salvation, so that we can rest in the knowledge that we have eternal life. That the way to the Father, life with him forevermore, for the praise of his glory, is freely given you. This is the foundation of the rest that we have. The gospel of grace, unmerited favour. Now the Bible tells you that all the time. We read through the scripture looking at every time the Bible tells you that you can rest in grace, we'd be here for a long time. But Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For you are saved by grace, unmerited favour, unearned, unworked for, You are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it's the gift uh, of God so that no one can boast. Saved by grace through faith. Not your works, not your effort, not your will, but the free gift paid for by Jesus. The Israelites had a conditional promise. If you obey me, then you will dwell in peace. Yours is unconditional because Jesus met the conditions. 
You have it because Christ was obedient, right? This is the rest. This is the freedom from works-based salvation. Freedom from trying to pay a debt that you could never pay through adoption into God's family. Now, I'll give you an example of that. My friends recently adopted a six-year-old boy who had spent his entire life in an orphanage. And just watching over the last half a year, the growth in the security and confidence and boldness of this little fella as he's began to realize that he has a mum and dad who love him. To see that change and that growth and that confidence in him that's impacted his whole personality. This is the knowledge that we live in, that we have been adopted by the work of Christ into the family of God. Because Jesus has met the conditions. So we rest in that grace. We rest in that truth. We don't have to earn God's favour. It's been given to us by grace. But that's not all that this rest is describing. As amazing and true as that aspect of the gospel is, as much as that is the foundation of our faith, the grace of God, but this is a promise of rest now. A promise of rest every day before we get to eternity. This is the rest for the Christian who's struggling with burnout in ministry. It's the rest for the Christian whose marriage is a struggle. It's a rest for the Christian whose scars are deep from the sin of this world, or perhaps not yet scars, maybe still open wounds. There is a Sabbath rest for you in Christ. This is the rest for the anxious. Rest for the angry. Rest for the burdened. What is this rest and how does it work? It's probably something we don't talk enough about as Christians, but it really matters. And this is how we find rest. The question is, how are we called to live as followers of Jesus? And your answer is what your rest hinges on. How are we called to live as followers of Jesus? And your answer is what your rest hinges on. So let me make this really clear and bold. Our rest depends on our continued dependence on God to work through us. Our rest depends on our continued dependence on God to work through us. Now, really a couple quick verses here, just to give you this idea. The Bible's very strong in this. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. God works in you His will for His pleasure. You're called to work for God. You are saved to good works, but we are meant to live in the expectation that God is doing the work through you. Right? It's His work, His good pleasure, and you are saved to an expectation that God is working through you. Yes, you work, but it doesn't hinge on you because it's God's good pleasure to work through you. Our dependency on God. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. This is not something we put in our coffee cup and it means I can, you know, squat 300 kilos next time I go to the gym. 
No, it means in all my life, through all of its trials, all of its obstacles, all of its difficulties, I know that Christ is the one living in me and Christ is carrying the burden. It's my dependency on Christ that means I keep going. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The life I live is now Christ in me. You're starting to get the picture here. It's our continued dependency on the fact that Christ is working in and through you. That means we can rest because it's Christ's work. He is doing the work. He is achieving the goals. Christ is, through you, fulfilling his plan of eternity. And he uses you to do a a small part in the bigger plan that you simply cannot grasp. Some of you are going to identify with what I'm about to say, but when my kids were little, they loved helping. I was doing the dishes. Dad, can I help? I was mowing the lawn. Dad, can I help? I was out, you know, building something in the workshop. Dad, can I help? And I would say yes, despite every part of me wanting to say no. And why do you want to say no? It's just quicker, easier, more efficient, and a better result if you do it yourself. Right? That's a fact. Why do you say yes? You say yes because you love them, and you want them to be involved, and you want them to join in with you, And you say yes because you want them to learn, right? By helping you, you're actually teaching them how to do things. You're teaching them how to go about doing something and teaching them about giving up too, by the way, because they always wanted to help me. But five minutes into the job, they were like, we just want to do something else. And they're like, no, 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 no. You said you wanted to help. It means we go until we finish, right? So we're actually using that to teach them as well, aren't we? Right? Church, the maker and creator of all things doesn't need your help. He uses your help because he adopted you into his family, he loves you, and he's moulding you and teaching you. That's why you're involved in his creation. God has never yet to this day gone, I can speak the world into existence, raise Lazarus from the dead, turn water into wine, but unless Julie gets on the cleaning roster, my plan of creation's finished. (laughs) It's all dirty. Can't keep going, right? Oh, Mike, Mike missed that opportunity to share the gospel with his neighbour. I can speak through a donkey, but the opportunity of sharing the gospel is lost. Why, Mike? Why? Right? No. God is sovereign. God is in control. The Sabbath rest for us Christians is knowing that it's God's work, God's plan, that he holds the reins, that he is ultimately responsible. And he allows us to participate in the joy of his work because he's adopted you by his grace into his family and he's molding you and shaping you into the images of his son. And that's what's going on. It doesn't hang on you. This is the joy of the gospel. The Sabbath rest for the Christian is when your heart can rest on the great promises of God that he is at work in you. That is the Sabbath rest. That you can rest on the great promises of God. You don't need to strive to please God. Jesus already bought bought you all of God's blessing. 
You just need to stay connected to the vine because apart from him, you can do nothing. We function from a Sabbath rest always because we recognize that Jesus is the power in our effort. We are co-laborers with him, says Paul, and he is carrying the burden. Right? He is carrying the burden. And that brings us to the final verse in our little passage, verse 11, which is amazing. Think about it. Strive to enter that rest. Does that sound weird to anyone? Whoever's laid awake at night and strive to get to sleep, how well does that work out? Right? It just doesn't work, does it? Counting sheep, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard of, by the way. Um, Right, strive, strive to enter rest. What's that mean? It means this. When you first come to Jesus, you come in awareness of your total and complete need for him. I am a sinner saved by grace. Christ is all I need. I've brought nothing to the table and I rest in his salvation. Then the years start to tick along. We start to serve. We start to carry the weight of ministry. Or we start to carry the weight of our Christian relationships. Or we start to carry the weight of trying to honor Christ. And we start to head back to self-reliance. What was given by grace, we cling to by works. And that's what we have to strive to avoid. What was given by grace, we cling to by works, and that is what we strive to avoid, to cling to our rest. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. You see, it's our failure to trust in God and instead to trust our own initiative that leads to so many problems. In Joshua's time, they failed to trust that God would protect them and they organized deals with foreign kings. And it led their hearts away. They took matters into their own hands, not trusting God, and that causes their problems. Abraham and his wife decided not to wait on the Lord and organize their own way to have an heir. The ramifications of that decision have been terrible throughout history. Or, it can look different today, can't it? But when we stop trusting God and start being self-reliant, it is the root cause of so many of our problems. The person who not only trusts God to bring them a godly spouse and takes their own initiative in a marriage that's not centered on Jesus. The guy who wants more money and takes a job that means he can't get to church anymore or or spend time with believers and starts drifting away. Or maybe it's in your heart where the issue lies. The parent whose faith is crippled because they tried to raise their kids in Christ, but they've watched their kids walk away. And they think it relies on them. You see, self-reliance, the decisions we make by our own motivations, take us away from the rest of trusting in Jesus. They take us away from the beautiful life we have of letting Christ bear the responsibility 
of the huge decisions of our lives. Now, some of you might be sitting there saying, that's fine, Sam. But what about the person praying for a godly spouse? What if they never come? See, this is where we have to trust the promises of Christ. Are we the church, not the bride of Christ? Won't we one day have all of our longing of relationship fulfilled by Jesus? If we trust the promises of Christ, then ultimately all of these desires will be fulfilled. We have to just keep trusting and knowing that Christ will fulfill his promises. What about our struggles with money and the difficulties it brings? Well, doesn't God clothe the lily? Doesn't he feed the sparrow? If we trust in his provision, if we trust that Christ will always provide enough, won't we have more rest? Rather than trying to carry the weight on our shoulders, trying to set a life up for ourselves, if we just depended on the promises of God. So let me give you one of the key identifiers of self-reliance. This is one of the ways that you can figure out where you're at on this. If you're not resting in Jesus, if you are stressed by the world, then I would ask you this. Are you desperately trying to manage outcomes? See, this is the major line between rest and falling apart. If we look at the promises of Scripture, we're called to be faithful to the call, faithful to the task, but to trust Christ with the outcome. Faithful to the call, faithful to the task, but to trust Christ with the outcome. Share the good news, but you don't know the type of seed Uh, this type of soil your seed falls on. That's up to Christ, and you can't manage that. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you, but you can't manage the other person's response. Conduct your marriage with godliness, but you can't make the other person submit to Christ. See, we are called by Scripture to trust His promises and to honour Him and obey Him in faith, but you can't manage the outcomes. The moment you try to take the outcomes upon yourself, guess what happens? Anxiousness, tiredness, fatigue, and no rest in Christ. Back in Alice Springs, I tried to carry the weight of the church on my shoulders and found out they were not broad enough. And I collapsed under the weight. If I'd realized that Jesus truly carries the weight of other people's expectations, if I truly could have trusted him with the outcome, then I could have been at rest. This is what it means. Stop managing the outcomes and trust in the promises of God. And you will find rest for your soul. So in closing, questions I want you to ask yourself right now. Where are you desperately trying to manage the outcome? Where are you stressed, tired, exhausted, weary? Because rather than trust the great promises of God, You're determined that it's on you to manage the outcome you desire. 
the outcome simply is not yours to manage. Be godly. Be gracious. Speak truth. Work hard. But trust Jesus and his promises. Rest in his grace. And know that all the promises of God will be fulfilled. Maybe not in this life, but definitely in the next. We know that truth deep in our soul we can rest. Recognize that when you are weary, when you are anxious, when you are tired, just pause and ask yourself, what am I trying to manage that I need to hand to God? This is what it means to strive to enter the rest. It is the continual recognition and trust in the promises of God and your continued dependence on Him and not on yourself that will give you rest for your soul. Christ works in you for His will and pleasure. Your job is to continue to depend on His responsibility. That is how we will rest in this life until we see Him face to face. Let's pray. Lord, there is a temptation for all of us to carry the burden, to feel like if we just worked harder, stressed more, we could manage the outcome. We could somehow, we could make it all work. Lord, that's a lie. Leads to carrying burdens we're not meant to carry, to tiredness, to fatigue, to desperation. Lord, instead, help us to depend on the promises of God. May we acknowledge that you were working in and through us. Lord, that when we speak your word, when we pray, when we honor you in in godly decisions that we make, Lord, we then hand the outcome to you. It's your plan, your purpose, your goodwill. Lord, I know some of the situations people face are tough. I know it can be hard with family and all of these things, but you still are bringing us towards your good and appointed end. Lord, may we trust in Christ until we see you face to face and have our final rest. Lord, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.